I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of August 25. In the news. Baku refuses to repatriate the body of a young woman to Artsakh who was killed in a car crash in Armenia. An Armenian serviceman is shot dead by Azerbaijan on Armenian territory. Azerbaijani president snubs Belgium's foreign affairs minister for her, quote, pro-Armenian stance. And Yerevan city election campaign kicks off. Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev refused to receive Belgian Foreign Minister Haja Lahbib in Baku because of her, quote, pro-Armenian stance. Lahbib was in Armenia for an official visit this week where she met with Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan and said that her country supports the position of the European Union that Azerbaijan should ensure free movement of people and goods through the Lachin Corridor and implement the decision made by the International Court of Justice. The Belgian Foreign Minister also stated that Armenia is an important partner for her country and the EU, adding that the decision of opening the Belgian embassy in Armenia is evidence of that. During her visit, she also met with her Armenian counterpart Ararat Mirzoyan and visited Zizernagapert to pay her respect to the victims of the Armenian genocide. After arriving in Baku on August 24, however, she was snubbed by Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev because of the statements she had made while in Armenia, uh, which he considered, quote, groundless. This according to the Azerbaijani press. And as the siege of Artsakh continues, Azerbaijani ceasefire violations in both Armenia and Artsakh persist as well with the same intensity as last week. These violations were accompanied by the dissemination of misinformation by the Azerbaijani side. Armenia's defense ministry regularly reported that after releasing false information, Azerbaijani armed forces fired on Armenian positions in Akhbazor, this is in the Gerarkunik region, in Khanazakh, this is in Sunik, and Verin Shorja, again in the Gerarkunik region. On August 21, an Armenian service Vanik Khazarian was shot dead by Azerbaijani fire at an Armenian military position located in Akhbratsor. The next day, on August 22, Baku reported that an Azerbaijani soldier had been shot by Armenian armed forces. They didn't mention uh, the location of that shooting and called it a provocation, claiming Armenia bears responsibility for the incident. Yerevan denied these accusations. In Artsakh, Azerbaijani forces violated the ceasefire in Martaget, Martuni, and Shushi as well, the Russian peacekeepers were informed about the incidents. No casualties were reported. In the village of Sarushen, this is in the Askeran region, farmers and agricultural equipment were repeatedly targeted by Azerbaijani forces, forcing the suspension of all agricultural work. And just carrying on with this topic of misinformation, Artsakh's defense ministry this week stated that videos that were um, made public by Azerbaijan's defense ministry where medical vehicles, ambulances accompanied by Russian peacekeepers were used to dispose of weapons uh, are fake. And just today, Rubina, uh, an ambulance carrying patients uh, that had to go through the Hakari checkpoint, Azerbaijani forces, then there was a sticker on the... They peeled it off. uh, On the the ambulance that just you know said the hotline yeah and yeah the and there was a small um coat of arms the, thank you i can't speak today the small coat of arms on that uh thing and they peeled it off it was just absolutely ridiculous but yeah, that's what's happening. And speaking of the Red Cross, Maria, on August 18, in a statement, the International Committee of the Red Cross stated that it remains the only humanitarian organization operating across the Lachin Corridor to respond to growing humanitarian needs. The latest deliveries of medical supplies occurred on July 7, while the latest delivery of food was on June 14. The ICRC is urging decision makers to find a compromise and make it possible to resume urgently needed humanitarian deliveries, said the statement. And on August 19, on 
Giovanni Badalian, the Armenian Foreign Ministry spokesperson, reported that Azerbaijan is refusing to allow the repatriation through the ICRC of the body of Helen Dadayan, a 21-year-old resident of Artsakh, who died in a car crash on August 14 in Armenia. We reported about this car crash last week, where 11 people had been killed. On the same day, Alexander Lentsov, the commander of the Russian peacekeepers, told Dadayan's relatives that Russian peacekeepers will try to transfer her body if the ICRC is unable to do so. If they do not succeed, they will try to negotiate for her parents to attend her funeral here in Armenia, he said. And on August 18, a group of people closed the ICRC office entrance for five hours here in Yerevan, demanding that the Red Cross facilitate the return of Dadayan's body to Artsakh. There has been no response from the Red Cross. However. On August 21, Stepan Aguer denied a report from Baku claiming that Artsakh's defense forces used a special device to jam the GPS tracker of an Azerbaijani civilian aircraft flying through their airspace, uh, quote, trying to create a threat to the safety of uh, civilian flights. Artsakh denied the claim, saying that the aircraft on that particular route did not cross the air borders of the Republic of Artsakh, and by periodically spreading such false statements, Azerbaijan aims to divert the attention of the international community from the humanitarian disaster that is deepening day by day as a result of the illegal blockade of the Lachin Corridor, said Artsakh's defense ministry. On August 23, Artsakh's presidential spokesperson, Lucina Alvanesian, denied media reports claiming that President Aray Karutunyan had decided to accept Azerbaijan's proposal to use the Ardam stepanagerd Road for commercial traffic. She said that Harutunyan had held meetings on August 22 and 23 with various political and public figures to discuss the humanitarian and security issues resulting from the Azerbaijani blockade, the Artsakh government's upcoming actions, and the proposals received from various mediators aimed at resolving the situation. No decision was made, and the discussions continue, and soon President Harutunyan will personally present information on the situation and the approaches of the authorities, she added. So remember, they've blocked the latching corridor, uh, but they're saying, oh, but we can deliver humanitarian aid to you through Ardam, and this is something that the people of Artsakh and the authorities have been refusing. On August 23, Artsakh's foreign ministry issued a statement regarding the possibility of a Baku-Stepanagert meeting in Barda, Azerbaijan, saying that negotiations with Azerbaijan should proceed within the framework of an international format to guarantee that they are held in accordance with the principles of international law. The statement also said that Artsakh has repeatedly made proposals for meetings via mediators, but Baku has rejected them. It mentioned that any meeting between the sides in Azerbaijan and without international presence is not safe, making a reference to Vakif Khachadurian's kidnapping in the presence of the uh, ICRC and Russian peacekeepers. On August 21, Russian peacekeepers facilitated, for the first time since June 14, the transfer of civilians from Artsakh to Armenia. They included 41 citizens of Russia and Artsakh. According to the authorities in Stepanagir, the Russian citizens had been waiting for their transportation out of Artsakh for a long time, while the citizens of Artsakh are students who have enrolled in universities in Armenia and abroad. There is also a preliminary agreement with the peacekeepers that the transfer of students and Russian citizens will continue in the coming days. And while passing through the checkpoint, the Armenians were harassed by the various Azerbaijani media who were taking videos and questioning them without consent. On August 24, in a cabinet meeting, Armenian Prime Minister Nigel Pashinyan stated that Azerbaijan intends to reopen the Lachin Corridor only in one direction, to allow outbound 
transit. Pashinyan also mentioned that Armenia has conveyed to Azerbaijan new proposals for a peace treaty. The Prime Minister said that Azerbaijan is continuously torpedoing dialogue with Stepanagerd and attempting to blame Nagorno-Karabakh for it. Pashinyan added that Azerbaijan continues its illegal blockade of the Lachin Corridor and the humanitarian aid sent by the Armenian government as well as the aid from France that remains stranded at the entrance of the corridor. On August 21, in response to media inquiries regarding the UN Security Council meeting that took place last week on August 16, Armenian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Badalian stated that Armenia, quote, highly appreciates the principled positions voiced so far by our partners, international bodies, during the UNSC meetings, this including the one that took place in December, and other international platforms. She also reflected on the absence of an adopted document after the meeting, stating that procedurally, the format of the emergency meeting of the UN Security Council is a discussion. It does not directly imply the adoption of a document, resolution, or statement. Vladelian went on to say that the discussion in the UN Security Council provides an important platform and opportunity to focus the attention of the international community on the possible catastrophic consequences of the situation to activate the Council's efforts to address it and to foster their possible coordination and to outline further steps. She added that the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Armenia continues its activities in the UN and other platforms. On the same day, uh, this is August 21, Azerbaijani Foreign Ministry spokesperson Ayhan Hajizada responded to Badalian's remarks, stating that Armenia is taking groundless steps with manipulations, but not limited to the UN Security Council. He went on to say that after all these illogical steps failed and have not yielded any results whatsoever, Armenia tries to substantiate its failures with lies, various excuses, and drawn-out groundless statements, as well as tries to justify its destructive actions. The spokesperson added, the Armenian Foreign Ministry must normalize relations with neighboring states on the basis of international law and refrain from disrupting behavior, obstructing the peace efforts in the region instead of creating false expectations in society and issuing statements full of deceit. Armenia's mission to the UN reported that on August 23, the humanitarian situation in Artsakh was discussed at the UN in the context of the risks of atrocity crimes and the preventive mechanisms. The meeting featured the presentation of a preliminary report by Professor of Human Rights Law Juan Mendez, who is a former special advisor to the UN Secretary General on the Prevention of Genocide. Mendez focused on the prevention duty of the international community and highlighted that the facts constitute sufficient reason to proffer any early warning to the international community that the population of Artsakh is at risk of suffering serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, as defined in Article 2 of the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of Genocide. The lack of compliance with a binding interim measure issued by the International Court of Justice to protect a population at risk is at least as severe an early warning than refusal to cooperate with judicial investigations, Professor Mendez concluded, pointing out to Azerbaijan's defiance of the legally binding order of the ICJ as an indication that necessitates the exercise of the UN's early warning and prevention capacities. Yesterday, the Lo Figaro newspaper reported that France is planning to introduce a resolution at the UN Security Council regarding the humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh called Caused by the blockade. The resolution will aim to help the population of Arsah who are at the blink of starvation. Additionally, Paris and other major French regions are going to be sending more humanitarian aid to the
the convoy that is stranded in Gornizor. On August 22, the ICRC facilitated the transfer of seven patients from Artsakh to Armenia, and today 10 patients were transferred from Artsakh to Armenia as well. Eight patients from Artsakh who have received treatment in Armenia are expected to return later today. In a statement adopted on August 22, the Azerbaijan Red Crescent Society stated that it has been witnessing, quote, a biased campaign on the humanitarian needs of the Armenian minority living in the Garapakh economic region of the Republic of Azerbaijan. The agency expressed its readiness to support the delivery of humanitarian cargo to the Armenians of Artsakh via the Ardam Khangendi, this is their quote, in accordance uh, with the constitution of the Republic of Azerbaijan. Two days later, Armenian Red Cross Society responded to the statement saying that the Azerbaijani Red Crescent Society violates the fundamental principles of the International Red Cross and Red Crescent Movement, first of all, the principle of neutrality, and gets involved in the political processes, raising the position of its government. The Armenian Red Cross Society called it a root breach and non-compliance to the movement principles and values, as well as to the humanitarian agenda, and reiterated the current situation in Artsakh and the international response to it. They also urged all components of the International Red Cross Movement to adhere to the movement's principles to fulfill their complementary roles with their mandates in favor of effective humanitarian mission implementation. On August 19, the Lemkin Institute for Genocide Prevention issued an active genocide alert for Artsakh, stating that this blockade is genocidal in its intent, which is to eliminate the Armenian population of Artsakh either through mass displacement or mass starvation. The statement went on to say that all the states and or individuals who enable Azerbaijan in the blockade of Artsakh, whether directly through foreign aid or indirectly by not using all diplomatic tools at their disposal, are complicit in the genocide of the people of Artsakh and could be held responsible in the court of law. It concluded it is urgent that international leaders take immediate action against Azerbaijan to prevent further deaths in the Republic of Artsakh. On August 19, the Socialist International issued a statement expressing deep concern about the humanitarian crisis in Artsakh. The statement described the impact of Azerbaijan's blockade of Artsakh as disastrous and expressed worry about the report and alerts about the imminent threat of genocide of the population of Nagorno-Karabakh. The Socialist International urged Azerbaijan to ensure free movement through the corridor, this is the Lachin Corridor, and called on the international community to expedite its effort in calling on Azerbaijan to end the blockade of the corridor. The Global Action Against Mass Atrocities Crime, a state-led network of state civil society and academic institutions committed to preventing atrocities worldwide, issued a statement on the blockade of the Lajin Corridor saying that it leads to serious humanitarian crisis. The statement made a reference to the inability of the ICRC to bring assistance to the population of Artsakh. And yesterday, the University Network for Human Rights released a report titled The Tip of the Iceberg, Understanding Azerbaijan's Blockade of the Lachin Corridor as part of a wider genocidal campaign against ethnic Armenians. The report notes, today the population of Nagorno-Karabakh, sequestered by Azerbaijan's total prohibition of movement along the Lachin Corridor, may not even have the luxury of choosing escape. As the humanitarian crisis in the Lachin Corridor reaches a boiling point, the door is closing on the chance to prevent another genocide against ethnic Armenians. Today, the personal representative of the OSC chairperson in office, Andrzej Kasperczyk, visited Gornitsor, where the humanitarian convoy sent from Armenia remains stranded. Yesterday, he met the Foreign Minister of Armenia, Arad Mirzoyan, where the sides discussed matters of regional security, including the situation in Artsakh. 
Mirzoyan emphasized the imperative of urgent and effective steps by the international community, including the OSCE, to prevent the imminent humanitarian catastrophe and its irreversible consequences. Mirzoyan also reaffirmed the importance of addressing the rights and security issues of the people of Nagorno-Karabakh under effective international mechanisms. On August 22, Bob Ray, the Canadian ambassador to the UN, tweeted about the blockade of the Laching Corridor, saying that this blockade must be broken. And on that topic, uh, the Canadian Foreign Minister, Melanie Jolie, will be visiting Armenia in September to personally participate in the opening ceremony of the Canadian Embassy in Yerevan. On August 23, U.S. Representative Judy Chu tweeted, what Azerbaijan is doing to the Armenian people in Arsakh is unconscionable. I will continue to work with my colleagues in the Armenian caucus to call for an end to the blockade and for the U.S. to hold all assistance to Azerbaijan until it is lifted, she added. This week, Armenia's Foreign Minister, Arat Mirzoyan, had a number of phone calls again with uh, different uh, state leaders from around the world. On August 22, he spoke with Czech Foreign Minister Jan Lepovsky, uh, who expressed concern for the humanitarian situation caused by the blockade. Safety and freedom of movement, there must be guaranteed dialogue between the parties involved is needed, he tweeted. On Monday, in a phone call, he also spoke with his Portuguese counterpart uh, about the worsening humanitarian crisis in Nagorno-Karabakh following targeted statements by international partners. I emphasized the importance of taking clear steps to end the blockade of the Lachin Corridor, Mirzoyan tweeted afterwards. On Tuesday, he spoke with Jean Esselborn, his counterpart from Luxembourg. They discussed, the, again, the situation in Artsakh. Uh, Luxembourg calls on Azerbaijan to guarantee safety and freedom of movement along the Lachin Corridor in line with the orders of the ICJ to reopen it. This was a, a tweet by the Foreign Minister of Luxembourg. And also after a phone call, the Foreign Minister of Slovakia uh, tweeted that Slovakia strongly supports EU's efforts to avoid the worsening of humanitarian situation in Nagorno-Karabakh, normalization of relations between Army and Azerbaijan, all work towards this goal. And it's interesting how uh, Aliyev decided not to meet with the Belgian foreign minister. So now I think all of these foreign ministers, when they go to Baku for whatever reason, might not get an audience with uh, the president. Oh, and there. also Andrei Kaspersky, when he had uh, visited the Lachin Corridor from the Armenian side, mm-hmm. the Azerbaijan refused to facilitate a similar visit from their side. That's right. And yesterday, the extraordinary session of the Eurasian Intergovernmental Council kicked off in the Armenian resort town of Zargatsur. The prime ministers of Armenia, Russia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, and Kyrgyzstan participated in the meeting. They discussed the union's development for the mid- and long-term uh, future. Maria, you know how I always like to get Zakharova's part, but I'm sure you would like to read this, <laughs> Can I read uh, this, this second part. Please? part. Please okay, go I'm going to read this part. Yes, so uh, a new criminal investigation has been initiated against former parliament member from the Republican Party and former chief enforcement officer Miran Borosian. The prosecutor's office states that Borosian abused his official powers and is charged with embezzlement and money laundering. And Rubina knows that I have uh, a very unique relationship (laughs) with this guy. in terms of thinking he should be found from Russia and extradited to Armenia to serve for his crimes. but Well, as a reminder, on May 17, Armenia's National Security Service announced the discovery of the import of one ton of cocaine, after which a search warrant was issued. Since 2019, Borosian has been wanted for corruption crimes, particularly embezzling 62.2 million drums, that's about $132,000 from public funds. This is and that's just the yeah. tip of the exactly. iceberg from what I've, uh, we know, mm-hmm. from what's been reported from mm-hmm. uh, years of observing him as a politician, as a public figure. 
figure as a, who as exploited, a human being, uh, yeah. exploited the uh, the grieving what, mothers from the April 2016 war. I think yes. that memory will stay with me for for the rest of my life. But moving on. Last week, Armenia's National Security Service reported that hours after Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan's arrival at the Sunik airport in Gapan, shots were fired by an unknown person from the Azerbaijani side at the airport. Two of the bullets damaged one of the windows and the roof of the airport. Armenia has informed the International Civil Aviation Organization about these uh, shots. Despite that, on August 19, the first commercial Yerevan Gapan flight took place. Among the passengers were Chief of Staff Arai Karutunyan and Secretary of the Security Council Armen Grikorian. According to Armenia Civil Aviation Committee, flights are carried out exclusively in Armenia's airspace. Armenia acts in line with the concept of sovereignty and international law on civil aviation. I can't wait to take that flight. Yeah, one day I would soon. like to take that flight. Tickets are 20000 Are they? Yeah. Maybe that's something we should do before the end of the year. Well, on August 20, a transgender woman was brutally murdered in her apartment in Yerevan, after which the apartment was set on fire. Uh, according to police, uh, the body uh, was of a 28-year-old resident from Armavir. According to the police, a 26-year-old man suspected of the murder was arrested at the Armenian-Georgian border crossing at Bavra. The man allegedly killed the woman and set the apartment on fire to cover his tracks. According to the police, um, the two had argued over issues related to illegal drug trafficking, but this is just very preliminary at this point. And this is not the first case in Yerevan, uh, especially regarding to transgender That's persons. Right. There's like attempting uh, murder and then setting their mm -hmm. apartments on fire. It seems to be a pattern, unfortunately, yes. Uh, well, this week, the Yerevan City Municipal Election campaign kicked off. The election will be held on September 17. According to the Central Electoral Commission, 14 political candidates will be running in the elections. And, I mean, we could list the number of parties. Um, it's the European Party, Democratic Party, Civil Contract, for Social Justice, Armenian Power, Public Voice, National Progress, Victory, a country to live in, the Republic Party, United Army, Bright Armenia, and just Armenia parties. We need to come up with better names for our uh, political parties anyway. There's also an alliance called Mother Armenia, which consists of Yergir uh, Zirani and Intellectual Armenia. Is this the video we watched, Rubina? Uh, the intellectual army video I haven't watched, but I have watched the one with the We Will Rock You rendition yeah, uh, very original. of the Mother Army, a political party. And I also read, oh, this is getting political. I, I'm Why kind not? of like following this uh, a little closely. And um, they're kind of, you know, what they're promising to do. I think they missed the point that this is the Yerevan city elections right. and not the uh, parliamentary elections right. in the country. So there's about what's going to happen to Artsakh, how, how we're going to like up our security and everything other than actual right. urban city-related, mm -hmm. Yerevan-related issues and, and, are and not discussed in their program whatsoever. Well, I and looked some, for it. <laughs> I'm sure you did, but some of the promises that we've been hearing are like fantastical almost, like... We're gonna. It's, it's like ropeways across Yerevan, Yerevan. So to, okay, to, to solve the transportation issue and how about also solving the parking issue and building ropeways, parking ropeways. lots? Okay. <laughs> well, can, uh, I'm not getting on any ropeway. It's for sure. And also, kind of promises that like transportation will be free if we kind of sell a couple of prime estate uh, real estate in in the center of Yerevan. We can provide free transportation for the residents of the city okay. or free uniforms for all school children across uh, the city. I just, 
it's becoming almost somehow comical as how everyone's trying to come and up insulting. with something new. Insulting to the to the resident of Yerevan, to be honest. And you're right, they're talking about Artsakh. And of course, everybody should be talking about Artsakh. But in the context of municipal elections, talk like you said, talk about the issues that we face every day in the city. Yeah. And, you know, I, I keep coming back to this concept of resiliency. And mm. this is the capital. This is uh, this is a city with one million residents, mm. at least. If if we cannot organize this and right. we cannot deal with this, how are we thinking about dealing with the rest of the country and all Defending of the Defending our borders and our security, absolutely. Well, as a reminder, <laughs> the ruling civil contract party's candidate is Deputy Mayor Dikran Avinyan. The National Progress Party's candidate is former Mayor Haik Malutian. Yeah, and the other day we were talking in the office about if the elections were today, who would we vote for? It was an interesting uh, conversation, which shall remain. But you know public. what I was also realizing is so many people uh, on this list who had high-ranking positions and quit. Mm -hmm. So uh, at least Haik Marutian was taken out of the game. He was like given a vote of no confidence by by the city hall. But so many people quit, and uh, it's kind of almost like again insulting for mm -hmm. me that you had the positions and you had all the power to do work, but then somehow when and uh, things got a little rocky and you just quit, including, you know, former Yerevan city center municipality mm -hmm. re leader, one of them, and like former ministers, right. you know, who are on this list. Well, it's going to be uh, amid everything that's going on. And I, I don't even know if people in Yerevan are following, but uh, they definitely should. But we will be absolutely keeping track. And, and I know that you like and really I know you're preparing a, a, a raging editorial about uh, the situation in, in Yerevan City. We're looking forward to seeing that. Don't get your hopes up too high, Maria. <laughs> I just actually want to be able to sleep. Right. Yeah. In, in the city at and the for end context of the day. because you live on a street that's extremely noisy and nobody is uh, able to fix it well that's the kind of week we've had here in Armenia in Artsakh thank you for listening have a safe and peaceful weekend we will be back again next week